Good morning, Scott. This is Stephen Curtis Chapman calling you. Hi, Scott. I'm Michael Steed. How are you? Hi, Scott. This is Hillary. Scott. Hey, Scott. David Kenneman from Boston. Hi, this is David Lee from uh, Hillsong Worship. How are you? Scott. It's Toby, man. What's up? Hey, Scott. This is Blake. My name's Favor. That was just a great interview. I love listening to your interview, Scott. You really get personal with them, and that's just that's too cool. Start your day with Scott. Weekday mornings on SOS Radio. We're talking about how happiness happens on SWS Radio with Max Lucado, and he's one of the best-selling authors in America. He pastors Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, where he's been since 1988. Good morning, Max. Hey, good morning to you. Thank you so very much for letting me be on the program. So I don't think I've ever met anyone who legitimately doesn't want to be happy. But at the same time, you hear know, people say, you know, God isn't really interested in making us happy. He's interested in making us holy. But what have you learned about the virtue of happiness, Max? Well, what a great question. That's a great place to start. I do not think holiness and happiness are are mutually exclusive. I do believe that God wants us to be holy, that is to be set apart and unique. I think He also wants us to be happy. And I think happiness happens as we pursue Him and as we love other people. I can find about nearly 3,000 references in the Bible to happiness, everything from calls to celebrate to merriment, to joy, to cheerfulness. All of these are indicative of the fact that God desires that we be happy. And there's reasons for that. Happiness makes us into better people. We're healthier when we're happy. We're better workers when we're happy. You know, we even make more money when we're happy. (laughs) We certainly have happier homes and better relationships when we're happy. And so there's this virtue of happiness pays high dividends. We're talking to Max Lucado and SWS Radio. And so we're talking about happiness, Max. What correlations have you learned about thankfulness related to long-term happiness? Well, that is absolutely essential. You know, to be grateful for what we have is at the core of finding a happy and joyful life. When you think about Jesus, by the way, I think Jesus was happy. Somebody asked me the other day, <laughs> you think Jesus was happy? I said, he passed the kid test. <laughs> you know, kids, kids can sniff out a grump in a heartbeat. And there were so many children wanting to be with Jesus that the disciples tried to keep them away. Jesus was accused of going to too many parties. He was accused of hanging out with fun-loving people. And I believe he was happy. That doesn't mean he didn't talk seriously about the problems of life, the severe ailments of society. Nobody did that more than he did. But I believe he did it with a profound sense of joy within him. And so I do think that gratitude matters because Jesus models this gratitude. Even on the night before his crucifixion, he gave thanks. He gave thanks. He was one who gives thanks. And so there's a strong connection between a grateful heart and a happy heart. Finding happiness and staying happy are all goals we want, but achieving that, it's a whole other story. We're talking with Pastor Max Lucado today at Us With Radio. For a lot of Americans, it's really been a long time since they've been able to claim happiness as like a long-term virtue, or maybe it's more of an emotion. What have you learned, Max? Well, only one out of three Americans says they are happy. In the Harris Happiness Survey or Happiness Index, this is the lowest score in nine years. Most Americans cannot find enough happiness within them to check yes on the happiness box. And so I think a question surfaces, several questions surface. Why is this? And what are the consequences of this? And in the book, I really try to focus, is there a solution for this? Is there a way if somebody says, all right, I'm tired of living 
beneath this cloud of perpetual grayness, and I want to move forward. Is there something I can do? I need to also add that some people deal with deep depression, and they need to seek the help of a therapist. And there are occasions where medication is helpful. Therapy is necessary to help somebody to get out of whatever challenge they're facing. But many of us, maybe most of us, simply need a fresh dollop of practical instruction on how to get out of our own self-centeredness and live in a life of other-centeredness, which I think the Bible teaches us is the true secret to happiness, that happiness happens when we give it away. Now, Max, in Las Vegas, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary of the October 1 tragedy, you know, where so many lost their lives, that attack over at the Route 91 Harvest Festival. And for so many people in Las Vegas, regardless of whether they were in attendance there or not, it's affected our city, you know. And for those who have just lived through this, we know that Jesus says in this world we're going to have trouble. You know, it's a guarantee by Jesus himself. And when there are times of trouble, we can still find hope. But what have you learned about resetting our focus when we just feel like there is nothing I can look forward to. Yeah, I know that the tragedies of life, especially atrocious, senseless, inexplicable tragedies like you experienced in Las Vegas or we've experienced in Texas over the last couple of months in the Odessa Midland area as well as in El Paso. I grew up in the Odessa Midland area and I just heard of, of that needless shooting, silly, stupid act of barbarism. And it's easy to get cynical and sour. And yet I believe that society in days like this really needs that quorum of people who can keep their heads clear thinking and keep our eyes forward focused. We're aware that what God has said, like you promised, like you said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But then he says, but be of good cheer. There's another call to happiness. Be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. And so we anchor ourselves to his promises that he has overcome the world. And he is leading all of this society toward a time of absolute wondrous and exciting redemption. In which we'll be reunited with all those that have been taken from us forever. And justice will be served. Final justice will be served. And so if anybody has the ability to find hope in the light of these difficult days, it would be, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it'll come without, you know, much prayer and and time. It just takes time sometimes, but let's not give up. Let's believe that there is a good God and that he has purposes that are being unfolded before us. So much of the way that we see hope, it's all about perspective. And we're talking with Max Ocato on Esquist Radio. We're talking about the two-year remembrance of the October 1 tragedy here in our city. And you just think about all the negative things that we cloud our news feed. You know, it's just like all over the country, we see these things that they keep happening. And for those that just think like, why does God allow these sort of things? And why doesn't God intervene and stop these things from happening? Max, you've been following these tragedies for decades. I mean, what have you learned about God as you've seen the way that he's reacted in the healing and the restoration after these tragedies? Tragedies. Well, the big 30,000-foot answer to this, and then a practical answer to this, the big answer is the only way for God to create a world in which there is not the risk of violence or evil is for him to remove free will. And that is something he simply not want to do. 
because pure love has to come from choice. And so for him to create a world in which there is no sin or violence or outbreaks of evil, he would have to remove free will. And he made clear in the Garden of Eden by placing the tree of choice there that he was always going to give his children their choice. And some people just choose evil. And when people choose evil, some of us get caught in the crossfire. It's just horrible. It is. It's horrible. The only way, though, that we can respond to this in a way that's healthy is by keeping our focus on what God has promised, that that day is coming, and I think it's going to be here very soon, in which a new day is going to dawn, a day in which that evil, that curse, that curse of humanity is going to disappear. Now, how do we behave in the meantime? Well, in the book, I talk about the one another verses in the Bible. Love one another, encourage one another, help one another. I saw this as I watched on the newsreels, the reaction of the wonderful people of Las Vegas to those senseless killings. You rallied, you came, and you visited, you loved, you cared for one another. I see this all the time in, in atrocities or challenges. As Christians, we can engage in these one another practices of serving one another, help one another. There's 59 one another verses in the Bible, so take your pick. <laughs> I talk about 10 of them in the book. And my big idea is, though, that happiness happens when we put these into practice. You know, you can't control so much in life. You can't control the weather. Uh, you can't control your parents. You didn't get to pick your genetics, you know. There's so much in life we cannot control. But we can control the way we treat people. We can control whether or not we greet people, serve people, encourage people, bless people. And as we do that, when we reach out to give that blessing to others, we find that we are the ones who are blessed. The happiest people are the people who make other people happy. Worldwide, people say that happiness is their most cherished goal. So what do we do with that? We're talking to Max Lucado on SWS Radio today in your new book, Max, How Happiness Happens. You talk about 10 different principles for making happiness happen. Can you describe a little bit about how you've outlined these principles so that we can actually embrace what happiness is? Because there's a part of it that's an emotion and there's a part of it that's an anchor. Yeah, happiness is really that deeply rooted conviction that there's a good God and we're all headed to a good place. And happiness can be activated in our hearts as we begin to treat other people the way that God has treated us and the way he wants us to treat other people. There's so much I cannot control in the world, but I can control the way I treat other people. And the surprise is, as I treat other people with respect, I am happier. The one another verses in the Bible have a wide range of difficulty. Now, some of them are very challenging, like bear with one another or forgive one another, or sometimes accept one another to be difficult. Some of them are relatively easy to put into play, like greet one another or encourage one another. I can start there immediately, but there's a wide range on the degree of difficulty of the one another verses. So I encourage people just to pick one, put it into practice. If you can't forgive people, if you can't bear with people, that's okay. Just start with greeting people. Make it your aim to say hello, to call someone by name, to give them a firm handshake when appropriate, to ask them how their day is going and pause to listen. These are things that all of us can do on a regular basis that will truly make somebody else's day better. And what we find 
I just double dog dare somebody to put this <laughs> to work, they'll find that as they do that, they themselves will find a spring to their step and a lift to their heart, and they themselves will be happier people. We're talking about pushing through in a world of comparison and disappointment and unmet expectations with Max Lucado on SWS Radio today. Max, do you feel that cynicism and sarcasm are related at all? Yeah, I do. And I'm not sure that cynicism and sarcasm are going to make us a better society. (laughs) I think that cynicism and sarcasm happen as a result of a deep-seated unhappiness in that sense that there can never be happiness again. And I've been gypped. I'm getting the short end of the straw. Here's what I think happens. I think we're in a generation that is exposed to the most sophisticated advertising blitz in the history of the world. And advertisements have to convince me I have a need in order that I might possibly purchase the product. So I have advertisements all day long telling me that my hair is too thin, my waistline is too fat, my clothes are out of style, my car is outdated. I mean, by the end of the day, I can get all beat up, right? There's a sophisticated billion-dollar industry trying to convince me that I am deficient. And as a result, I can get cynical. As a result, I can get sarcastic because I get down on myself. We've got to combat that, realize what's going on, let our identity be in what God has said about us, not in what we have in the garage, and then set out to raise the happiness level of other people. And as we do, we'll find out that we're the ones who are the happiest as a result. What is the best way to acknowledge the cynicism that's crept into our life and taken root so that we can actually transform that into something that's hopeful? Well, you're asking great questions. I think you're in the right career path, my friend. (laughs) I really do. The cynicism that's in our society today has created really a sense of polarization. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And as we head into another year of presidential campaigning where it seems like, I don't know, man, I've gotten where I don't want to watch the news at night because it seems like all people do is yell at one another. Yeah. And it makes me cynical. It makes me cynical. Yep. And cynicism is that idea that says it's never going to get better. I'm not going to believe anybody. We're always going to be in this perpetual sense of downward spiral. We've got to stand against that. We really do. And we stand against that, again, by making our identity in God the most important part of our lives. Once I can do that, once I can understand what he has done for me, then I can help others. In one of the verses, the one another verses, One of those is forgive one another. And we have the example of Jesus on the night before his crucifixion, washed his followers' feet. Now, if anybody should have had their feet washed, it was Jesus. He should have had his feet washed. But he took the initiative to wash the feet of his followers. But John, the gospel writer, tells us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that Jesus knew who he was and where he was going. And because of that, he stood up and he took on the role of a servant, and wash the followers' feet. You see, if I can know who I am, that I've been bought by Christ, where I'm going, that I'm destined to heaven, and this earth, this time on earth, is just a heartbeat, and it's going to be over, then I think I'm going to find the wherewithal to wash the feet of others, to forgive others, to be kind to others. That's where it begins. We anchor ourselves firmly in what God has done for us, where we're headed, and then we can find a way to share that with others. And as a result, we're happier. 
See, that's the key right there to really unlocking that lasting joy. We're talking with Max Lucado today at SWS Radio. As a brand new book, it's called How Happiness Happens. Thanks for checking in with us today, Max. You're the best. You're awfully kind. Have a great day. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through SOSradio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.